When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. I have long believed that artists are our great visionaries. They help us to see and understand what still might remain as a question for us in our lives and in our worlds. So what I know now is that artists have been living through this moment, as we all have. We are going to experience artworks that allow people in the future to understand what this moment was like. We will have the chance to experience artworks that will bring some perspective on all of the complexity that we are living through. That was Thelma Golden, Director and Chief Curator at the Studio Museum in Harlem, and one of the most influential people in the world of art. One expert described her this way, you can't say African-American art without saying Thelma Golden. You can't say contemporary art without saying Thelma Golden. You can't say Harlem without saying Thelma Golden. I am Sharon Bowen, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Thelma Golden is a trailblazer. Under her leadership, the Studio Museum in Harlem has brought many Black artists to prominence, and her impact goes far beyond New York. The Los Angeles Times says... She has changed the face of art all over the U.S. Listen and learn why Thelma Golden is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. The Studio Museum in Harlem is one of the world's leading institutions devoted to visual art by Black artists. How do you see its mission? 
Thank you for that question. You know, um, the Studio Museum's mission is to serve as the nexus for artists of African descent locally, nationally, and internationally. That's our mission. That means, first of all, that we connect with artists with one another, the artists whose work we collect and exhibit, and especially those in the Artists in Residence program, have grown into a multi-generational network of artists working in Harlem, in New York City, in this country, and all over the world. We also connect within this network of artists to the larger community of arts and artists. And it's why we think of ourselves so much as a center. You know, I like to say the Studio Museum in Harlem is where Black art lives. And it's because of that grounding, that sense of us as a place in Harlem devoted to art and artists, having done so for over a half century. I like that image as where Black art lives. So it's a, a breathing movement, not static. I actually have a visual from those words. Tell us a little bit about you. What was it like growing up? Were you always interested in the arts? Yes. You know, I was very, very fortunate, Sharon, to grow up here in New York City. And I was the child of two native New Yorkers. My father was born in Harlem in 1926 during the Harlem Renaissance. My mother was born in 1930 in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. And they married in the early 60s and moved to Southeast Queens, to St. Albans. And so I grew up with a wide and deep sense of the city and grew up with parents who believed in the cultural life of the city and supported it. So I grew up going to theater and dance and seeing live music and, of course, also to museums. But the museums were my interest. And that came from the fact that in school, we went on field trips to all the museums in the city. And I love museums. I love these spaces that were devoted to presenting works of art. I found them inspiring. I found them deeply, deeply engaging. And after going on field trips, I often beg my parents to go to museums uh, as a family, and they obliged. So what age were you when, when that bug hit you held? Oh, I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I mean, by the time I was in high school, by the time I was 14 and finally allowed to take the subway by myself, I was going to museums on my own. So as a family, it began when I was relatively young. And, you know, and I have to say, you know, I think back on it now, and I'm so grateful to my parents, who neither of whom are still with us, that they really, um, you know, it was a great lesson of they saw me, they saw this as an interest, and they actually saw how much of a passion it was, and they supported it. Did you ever want to dabble into art yourself? You know, I never made art, though, you know, somewhere in my uh, storage space, there are evidences of my attempts at art that my mother, of course, like all mothers thought were masterpieces. But I knew from a very young age that while I loved art, I didn't have the talent for it. When I look back on that now, that's probably what made me a curator, right? Early on, I had a sense of what made an artwork important, what made an artwork significant, what made an artwork something that you wanted to look at over and over again. And I certainly didn't think my third and fourth grade attempts were that, though my mother kept them, framed them, and treated them as if they should be works that would go into a museum. I'm sure they were masterpieces for her, for sure. You mentioned your time as a curator. When was that pivotal moment for you that you know, made you the Thelma Golden you are today? I knew I wanted to be a curator in high school. 
And I went to an amazing independent school on the Upper East Side called the New Lincoln School, which is sadly no longer in existence. And when I was a student there in the early 1980s, it was led by a phenomenal educator named Vern Oliver. And Mrs. Oliver, who was the head of school, was one of those educators who had the special gift of being able to see so distinctly the individuality of every student. And when I expressed in those early high school years my interest in art, she immediately suggested that I begin taking classes in the museums in New York City. So I was a participant in many of the high school programs across New York. And very significantly, I was in the high school program at the Metropolitan Museum in my junior and senior year in high school. And so when it came time for college applications and writing a college essay and answering you know, that inevitable question of what do you want to do, I wrote with a deep amount of conviction that I wanted to be a contemporary art curator. So I knew going to college that I hoped that this could be my path. I think we all have those magical teachers um, in our lives. And thank goodness that she found that talent in you at, at a really early age, which is great. You know, Thelma, you have a history of promoting and supporting emerging Black artists. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of doing so? I think it's really important to create space in every sense of the word for Black artists. This concept is foundational, not just to our studio museum mission, but also to my own personal mission. Space and time are deeply important to young artists, and it can be scarce commodities for them. And so at the Studio Museum, our founders created the Artists in Residence Program, which is where the studio and our name comes from. That, for me, has been an inspiration to understand what it can mean to support artists early in their career, to provide them with the opportunity, as well as the safe space to grow and create. That's what our residency program does, but it's also as a curator, the way I have felt that I can offer artists a sense of their possibility through my early support. So would you consider, I know you were one of the pioneers of the term post-Black art. Can you tell us what that really means? I first began using the term uh, post-Black with my artist friend, Glenn Ligon. Glenn is one of the most important, significant artists working today, and I feel privileged to have him as an interlocutor for over a quarter of a century. We've known each other for over 25 years, and some of my most significant conversations, which have led to my most significant revelations about art, have come in conversation with Glenn. And Glenn and I are both students of not just art, but art history. And the legacy of the Black arts movement is so profound. And in the moment, in the early 2000s, when I came to the Studio Museum and was beginning to think about how to chart a path at the Studio Museum for new art histories that would both reflect the past, honor it, look back to the Harlem Renaissance, and even before that, our 19th century African-American artist pioneers, but also to situate itself among the recent past, which includes the Black Arts Movement, which is the moment the Studio Museum was founded. And in thinking about that, it was important to kind of create a sense of how to think about time as it relates to artists and their work, aesthetically, intellectually, even um, perhaps spiritually. 
And so in a kind of shorthand to talk about these generations that came out of inspiration from the Black arts movement, but also were thinking about the depth to which they could understand identity, race, and culture in their own work. And we began referring to this group of young Black artists as post-Black. It was not meant to connote a style or a way of working or a kind of art, but more an attitude, uh, an intellectual space from which we, we saw their work blossoming. This led to my curating an exhibition early in my studio museum career with the amazing curator, Christine Kim, called Freestyle. And it was during that exhibition where these ideas about what it meant at that dawn of a new century to think about both the legacy and the future of Black art could be and what it might mean that the term became a way to open up a space of dialogue and conversation. That's really fascinating. Thank you so much, Thelma, for you know giving us that, that background. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about COVID. Can you tell us how COVID has affected the museum and also how has it affected you personally? Like so many cultural institutions, we have been deeply challenged by the pandemic. Um, As an organization in Harlem, you know, we feel the impacts, the disproportionate impact of not only the health pandemic, but the sort of racial revolution that gripped our country in recognition of the long struggle um, of Black people. Art museums and performing arts institutions have been doing everything they can to fulfill their mission in this moment and serve the public, even though for many of us, their budgets are under terrible stress and for many organizations, people can no longer visit. In the case of the Studio Museum, we have been closed since 2018 because we are 
have embarked on the most transformative project for the museum, perhaps since our founding, in that we're building a new building designed for us by Sir David Ajay. And so when we closed in 2018, we began a project that created for us the opportunity to work in and around Harlem with the Harlem Parks, with the partnership of the Parks Department, with our Harlem peer institutions, and with schools and community centers and senior centers, where we were creating projects all under the rubric of a project called In Harlem, coming from our name, the Studio Museum in Harlem. Sadly, the pandemic has meant that those programs are not able to happen at this point, but we've continued to serve our audiences digitally. We've been doing robust digital programming uh, for public audiences, but also with our schools and our community partners. And we also, during this period, while we're building the new building, have a dynamic partnership with the Museum of Modern Art and MoMA PS1. So the Studio Museum currently has exhibitions on view at both of those institutions. And we are very grateful for the chance to be able to continue presenting artists. But all of that has happened in the midst of a complex, complex moment for the cultural world. In Harlem, many of my performing arts peers, organizations beloved by all like the Apollo Theater, Dance Theater of Harlem, the National Black Theater, Jazz Museum, Harlem Stage, they haven't been able to open since March. And this has been, you know, of great concern. But we're all committed to being a part of the recovery of this moment, not just for Harlem, where, as I said, um, Harlem has been disproportionately impacted in this moment, but for the city as a whole. Personally, I think I've navigated this moment like so many of us have, which is to be grateful for my health, grateful for my safety, but with a deep, deep sense of concern for the many communities I'm a part of, the cultural community, my Harlem community, and just the ways in which I see myself and my neighbors here in New York City, all of us, you know, imagining a moment um, on the other side where all that's been laid bare in this moment um, will give us the chance to continue to work towards an equitable, safe, and open city for all to really work to continue to offer more possibilities to more people. And so I see cultural institutions as important civic institutions. I mean, sure, our, our work is to present the arts, but that work is also about upholding um, ideas of humanity, providing places that allow people to exist with a sense of inspiration and awe and wonder. And to have that exist in our daily lives, make us all better people, give us all so much more uh, in this world. So I look forward to going back to being able to serve in that way. We all look forward to that moment to be on the other side of this pandemic, uh, that's for sure. And you touched on a little bit about art and its impact on culture. And the year 2020 was you know, tough in so many different ways. How do you view art? let's say, in the next year or two, impacting culture? I have long believed that artists are our great visionaries. They help us to see and understand what still might remain as a question for us in our lives and in our worlds. So what I know now is that artists have been living through this moment, as we all have, 
And what I imagine we will see through their art, not just the visual art world that I'm a part of, but through literature and music and film and dance and poetry and song, we are going to experience artworks that come from this moment. We are going to experience artworks that allow people in the future to understand what this moment was like. We will have the chance to experience artworks that will bring some perspective on all of the complexity that we are living through right now. I got to see a little bit of that just walking the streets of New York with you know some of the murals and uh, paintings on you know, stores, fronts that have been boarded up. Mm-hmm. It was really inspirational to, to see the artists capture the moment. So then I want to talk a little bit about curator Laura Stokesims. I know she was your idol as a child, and later you got to work under her and then succeed her as director of the museum. What was it like getting to work with your role model? Getting to work for and with Lowry Stokes Sims was such a privilege. I knew of Lowry from the time I was a high school student when I would see her picture in the New York Times or in art magazines. Lowry was the first African-American curator at the Metropolitan Museum, a position she began in 1974. And by seeing Lowry and understanding the huge impact she had on the art world and the museum world made it possible for me to imagine myself as a curator. So it was incredible to get to meet her in the early 90s when I began my career in museums as a curator at the Whitney. And she was an invaluable mentor to me. I could go to Lowry always with my questions, with my concerns, with my aspirations, with my fears. And she created such an amazing safe space of support and friendship for me. So fast forward to 1999, I think it would have been, yes, 1999, when I received a call from Lowry letting me know that she was accepting the position of director of the Studio Museum in Harlem, an institution where I'd been an intern in 1985, then came back and spent a year at the museum as a fellow in 1988, right after I graduated from Smith College. This was exciting to me. Lowry had this esteemed career at the Met. She'd been there for 27 years. Always, however, though, close to the Studio Museum, had curated many exhibitions and programs. So I just thought this was the most exciting possibility. And then when she asked if I would consider the position of deputy director and chief curator working closely with her on reimagining of the museum, it really was a dream opportunity for me. Getting to work with Lowry only deepened uh, my deep love and respect for her. Watching her work, watching her deep sense of work ethic, commitment, rigor, her incredible art historical knowledge, but her also equally deep institutional knowledge all taught me so much. And I carry them with me in my role now as director of the museum. In many respects, I'm I'm sure she's extremely proud of the way you've reached back into the community as well. It's very important to me, it's been a gift, that the last three directors of the Studio Museum in Harlem have been women. Dr. Lowry Stokes-Sims, who hired me, who's director of the museum from 2000 to 2006, 
Kinshasha Holman Conwell, who was director of the museum from the 90s all the way through the moment that she left the museum to go to Washington and become deputy director at the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And before Kinshasha Holman Conwell, Dr. Mary Schmidt Campbell, who became director of the Studio Museum in 1977 and remained director through the mid 80s before she then became New York City's Commissioner of Cultural Affairs. All three of the past directors, Dr. Campbell, Mrs. Conwell, and Dr. Sims, I know and really feel deeply, deeply grateful that all of them provided um, a, a path for me in my leadership. So in this moment in time, Thelma, what gives you hope right now? At this moment, and I think for me in all moments, art and artists give me hope. You know, I feel that my life has been changed, transformed by my own experiences with artworks and with the artists who make them. I find art a place that I can go when I have questions, but I also find it a place to go to contemplate what perhaps might be the ways to see the world in new ways. I think artists are so lucky to be able to live within the spirit of their own imagination, for them to imagine for us futures and possibilities that we have yet to experience. And so what gives me hope now is the place in which I can feel a sense of awe and inspiration through my own experiences with art, but also how I understand collectively what important voices artists have in helping us chart a path that is one that includes justice and democracy, believes deeply in grace and faith, can see and imagine broad depths of possibility, and do so in ways that continue for me to inspire. Well, I want to thank you for your awe and inspiration for all of us. Uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be in conversation with you and a pleasure to be able to think, you know, in real time about, you know, what allows us all to have moments of awe and inspiration. Talking to Thelma Golden always gives me a fresh perspective on life. Here are three things I took away from that great conversation. First, Thelma tells us why it's important to create spaces where emerging talents can flourish. Giving young people space, support, and opportunity is a way to help them realize their own sense of possibility. Second, let's recognize and celebrate the fact that art can truly be transformative. As Thelma says, Art is a place we can go to when we have questions or when we want to see the world in a new way. And finally, when we look back at the challenging times we are now living in, expect society's artists, whether they are painters or dancers or poets, to help us make sense of it all. Tune in next Tuesday to hear about our next featured women, and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. If you'd like to join the Seneca Women Network, go to SenecaWomen.com 
There you'll get access to exclusive events and workshops, plus updates on new podcasts and other opportunities to get involved. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.